bless us. Help us to persevere in troubling times such as this. Help us to have a crisis moment in our life that we will put the stake in the ground and say from here now, uh, here from now and on forward, that we will serve you. So Lord, help us to experience a Christ life, to be sanctified in you, to honor you as holy in our hearts. So Lord, I pray that this will be so, and uh, when we uh, leave this place and until we come back, I pray, especially for myself, that I will do all for you. Everything for you. Praise in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, last month I talked about the subject of prayer. Yes, please. Um, I talked about the subject of prayer. We discovered three postures of praying. And that was simple prayer, uh, prayer of examination, and prayer of, uh, of feeling forsaken. So those are the postures of prayers that I discussed uh, several, well, two months ago, I believe. Today, we're going to talk about three different postures of praying. My goal in this series is, is to help us identify with the biblical characters and see how they related to God. Again, last time I told, I said that uh, simple prayer is telling you, telling God how you presently feel at, at, at this very moment. Uh, prayer of forsaken feeling that you felt abandoned by God. And prayer of examination is doing a self-examination of your own heart and you communicate those thoughts and those emotions to God at that time. So today we're going to talk about these three different postures of praying. Uh, Prayer of tears, prayer of relinquishment, and corporate prayer. These are three different postures that we will talk about today. And I think it is so timely for us to talk about these things. Very timely. And the reason why I say it is timely because of what's going on in our congregation, uh, what's going on outside of this church building, what's going on in your own homes. So, what? let's continue on. I remember when Pastor Gus and I, and along with uh, Larry, we went to West Virginia for a Central District Conference. And we heard a pastor preach a sermon, and he told, he told of a story of 13 Coptic Christians who were beheaded by ISIS. And while we was driving back from West Virginia to come back home to Ohio, those 13 Coptic Christians was on my mind. So I pulled out my phone to look up the story 
And I found myself on YouTube watching the actual video of these men being beheaded by ISIS. Why did I do it? Because I'm a curious guy. Nevertheless, after watching the video, I was cut to the heart. I was deeply wounded to the point where I could not control my emotions. Many of you know if you spend time with me, I'm very laid back, calm, collective, uh, you know, pensive, I think inwardly most of the time. Um, so I do less communicating than, than I should. You can ask Crystal about that. Um, but I couldn't control myself. I couldn't control my emotions. Tears started to flow down from my eyes. Because at that moment, I felt someone else pain. When I watched the video, I saw these men crying out to the Lord Jesus to save them. So when I felt their pain, I was trying to hide the tears from Pastor Gus and from Larry, but I couldn't. At one moment, I thought what Pastor Gus was going to think of me, but I didn't. You know, it was just in that moment. I was thinking about Pastor Gus, what he was thinking about me, and another thought came to my mind at that very moment. I understood how Jesus felt when John the Baptist was beheaded by Herod. So tears start flowing from my eyes. I'm questioning the cruelty and the evilness that I just witnessed on YouTube because I was cut to the heart. Have you ever been cut to the heart? Have you ever had the chance to release your bottle of emotions? The Greek word panthos, that's what it actually means when you come across this word, being cut to the heart. I'm sure many of you have been. And this leads us to our first posture of praying to God. And that is the prayer of tears. The prayer of tears is acknowledging that you are cut to the heart. You are recognizing that your heart is troubled. You're emotionally in pain. Many of us have felt that way and some of us still feel this way now. Many of the Bible writers feel this way. Some people can feel this way when they come to the true come to true repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ. After post conversion, when somebody when someone recognizes their own sin, they understand the wickedness of their own heart. Because God has done the transformation within them. They're cut to the heart. 
Let me give you several Bible passages to get your mind on this. For example, Psalms chapter 6, verse 6. David said, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. Or Psalms chapter 56 verse 8. You have kept count of my tossing. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Psalms 119 verse 136. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. So here is a psalmist who is talking about that people are not keeping his law. He is grieved by that. Consider that God's law is holy. He's cut to the heart when he sees other people's wickedness. Or not upholding people's, uh, not people, but God's standard. This is prayer of tears. If you uh, are familiar with Jeremiah, he is nicknamed the weeping prophet. Uh, because he moaned and he, he cried over Israel. He desired Israel to uphold God's truths and laws. But he was named the weeping prophet for this reason. For example, he said, let's skip over there for a second. The Lord Jesus I think not, I think he only, he captures the posture of praying with tears as well. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed. He, he prayed so intense that Luke records that the sweat from his brow became like blood. The Garden of Gethsemane is, is near the Mount of Olives is in a close proximity of each other. The reason why he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and praying, because he was praying the high priestly prayer, according to John chapter 17. And he prayed. And I think the writer of Hebrews give us a better understanding of what Jesus prayed and how he was emotionally troubled. As this slide shows in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it shows that, and it tells us that Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. So, the writer of Hebrews, it's comparing Jesus Christ to Melchizedek in Hebrews chapter 5. And while he's comparing Jesus to Melchizedek, he's giving us a glimpse of how a high priest like Melchizedek offered up prayers 
But at this time, when Jesus was being the high priest, according to John chapter 17, he was offering up prayers as well to God. And with that, he was praying with tears. Because he knew he had to suffer and endure what was to come. And that was the cross. He knew that God could have saved him from death, if that was God's will. So I think Jesus captures the ideal of what praying with tears means. You know, when Jesus... When Jesus went to Lazarus' tomb, he purposely allowed Lazarus to die in the first place to just to prove that he is the resurrection. Right? But when he arrived there, one of the shorter verses in the Bible is what? Jesus? Well, one of the shortest verses in the Bible. But I don't want us to just bypass that short verse, which is verse 35 in John 11. Because it gives us an idea that it wasn't just a couple of tears that he shed. It was deep mourning for his beloved friend that he cried. How do I know this? It's because when he wept, the Jews around him said, look how much he loved him. Look how much he loved him. That gives me a better idea that when Jesus wept for Lazarus, although he knew he was going to be raised from the dead, he felt the pain of death. He felt Lazarus' last moments when he took his own breath. Jesus loved him. This goes to say, Jesus knows how we feel. He understands our pain. He understands death. He relates to us in this fashion. Like, for example, you know, in the wake of what happens to Miss Starks, The Lord understands. The Lord understands what happened in in the wake of of Ken. The Lord understands. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer and just say that praying with tears is, is a depressed moment because it is not. It is a moment that can bring you joy and relief from what you feel with inside. Whenever you have the chance to pray and to cry, you are renewing yourself emotionally. It is a sad thing if you allow yourself to not cry and and not pray to the Lord and cry out to him. Because you are bringing more stress and pain upon yourself. 
So I encourage us to, to have this posture, to keep in mind that praying with tears is a part of God's grace. It is how he wired us to be. Sometimes I tease Crystal while we were watching a Disney movie. It could be a moment that I was like, I can just bypass and keep watching the movie. But for her, for some reason, she had to cry. And I look to my right, or if she's on my left, I look to my left, and I look at her and say, why are you crying? It's a cartoon movie. But I have to remind myself that crying, it is a gift that God has given her. God has wired some people to feel other people's emotions and pain. And Crystal have that gift. She has that natural ability to do it. I myself, it takes me a moment to cry. I rationalize uh, most often than I should. But other people, like Crystal, they have that ability. And it's, it's a part of, I believe, that God has given people to, to comfort other people, to cry with them. And eventually, it builds up the body of Christ. So, I encourage everyone to continue to have these postures in mind. Uh, continue to pray when you feel as if it is too hard. And again, praying with tears could be just laughing out loud. Like for when a mother delivers her baby from pregnancy. She cries in a moment of pain. But as soon as that baby is delivered, she sheds joyful tears. So praying with tears is not a depressing thing. It's a gift from from God. It's a way that God has wired us. It is a way uh, for God, uh, that God has built up the body of Christ and, and what he is doing. Let's move forward. Many of you may or may not like me, but it's okay. About what I'm about to say. For me, I am glad that the elections is over. Roshan, if you're glad that the elections are over. One thing I hate, I hate talking about the elections, especially in my position, because Someone say, okay, if I'm voting for a candidate and someone asks me, they may not like what they hear. And they're going to cause, that may cause them to look at me differently. But besides that, for some strange reason, I don't know why it's within the church itself, that when it's elections time, it causes a lot of division within the church. I'm voting for Democrat. No, I'm voting for Republican. Last time I checked, we were all Christians. But I am glad that the elections are over. 
And this brings us to our second posture of praying. Praying with relinquishment. That you're releasing whatever was holding you back. Whatever was uh, keeping you from moving forward. Prayer of relinquishment is resting in the will of God. It is taking comfort that whatever transpires, it is part of God's will. It is what has happened, and that it didn't take God by surprise. That is what prayer of relinquishment means. And I think the Lord was just confirming this to me when I was I knew I was going to preach this sermon because Pastor Gus and along with Roscoe, they said two uh, verses that that is in my sermon manuscript. Um, is I want you to turn to Philippians, the same verse that Roscoe used early. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. And I think Paul captures what it means to rest upon the will of God and just letting go what was in the past. I'm reading from the ESV, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the outward call of God in Christ Jesus. You're pressing forward. Elections are over. Many troubling things have occurred within our own congregation. You're understanding that we need to, or we are in a healing process within our own congregation. But at the same time, you are releasing that into God's will. You're moving forward. You you take Paul, for example. Paul was a murderer. He voted for people to be executed. He persecuted the church. He was a blasphemer before he came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But you see here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, that Paul was still pressing forward. He understood his history. But at the same time, he was moving forward to the upward call, the upward goal, the prize, which is Jesus Christ. Are we doing the same? Are we moving forward? Are we keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ? 
Are we letting go? What is it in your life that, that is holding you back? What is it in your life that you're not forgiving someone else? Could be in your marriage. It could be relationships at work. Could be your son or your daughter. It could be someone that you haven't forgave. It could be a matter of forgiveness. It could be a matter of your own self. That you're holding yourself back. It could be sin. That you have not relinquished the sinful nature of your life to God. Although Christ have died for our sin. What is it? You are the only one who can speak for yourself. I can speak for my own, uh, for myself. I know what woes me. I know what troubles me. I know what keeps me back from living up to my fullest potential in Christ Jesus. So when you think about this particular posture, ask yourself, what is it that you're not releasing in the hands of the Lord? And lastly, our last posture is corporate prayer. Corporate prayer. Uh, Very quickly, um, Turn to Acts chapter 4, verse 30. Acts chapter, excuse me, Acts chapter 2. Turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 42. This is the beginning of, of the Christian church. This is when the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost. And here, this is the fruit of of the church itself. And it says that they devoted, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and prayer. It's the beginning of verse 42. The reason why I want us to look at this particular verse is because it is ingrained within the culture of the church. It is what they were moved to do. So one of the main uh, person within Acts is that that is controlling and everything is going by his will is the Holy Spirit. So while they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers, what do you think they were praying about? Well, we know that Peter just preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost and people came to faith. And as they were gathering 
corporately, that more people came to faith and was added to the church. I'm bringing out corporate prayer because I think this is what we should do on a daily basis. Uh, Pastor Gus brought out this text earlier uh, while we were praying in his office. I turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. And as we all see, it says, For two or three gather in my name, there I am among them. The reason why I'm bringing out corporate prayer is because I want us to pray corporately. I want us to pray out to God as a response to this message. A response to what's going on. I'm not trying to garner any emotions from you. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. But what I am trying to encourage, I am trying to encourage you to pray what is on your heart. Pray for your children. Pray for the congregation. Pray for uh, President-elect Trump. Pray for our governors. Pray for the city of Akron. So, I'm going to call two participants. That will be James and Pastor Gus. I'm going to ask James to uh, grab a mic. And if anyone feels led to stand up and pray, you may do that. I will have Pastor Augusta come up here. If someone feels led to pray privately, you may come to Pastor Gus or even Roscoe. Come on, Roscoe. To pray as well. I will give us time to pray. Testing, testing, testing. And after that, I will close us out. And if you don't feel uh, led, that's okay. Again, I'm not trying to garner nothing out of you. I'm not trying to force you to do something that you don't want to do. But I am going to give you the space to do it. Amen? Amen.
White House with the new elected president. We ask you in one way, form, or fashion that you will introduce a Christian Bible study in the White House. Because our nation needs your leadership. Our leadership has failed. So we ask for your presence in the White House. We pray for our governor. We pray for all the young senators, the young politicians that's coming forward. We ask that you put up on their hearts to be led by the Spirit. Father, we need you at this time. I say once again, we have failed. So we need you. We ask you to bless the sick and afflicted in our neighborhood. Be with them. Touch them. Give them an understanding of being persecuted for being a Christian. I just being persecuted according to your will. We'll probably never know why certain people suffer. But one day, we will understand. So, Father, I thank you for putting up on our hearts to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. For Christ's sake. Understand that prayer is the individual releasing their tears, their burdens, their emotions. That prayer is the letting go of that which may be holding you from moving forward. The corporate prayer is the invitation that we can pray one for another and pray for each other. Amen. Understand that as men up here, you don't have to come pray with us. We can agree with you, yes. But I want to offer you another way of praying right now. Is you moving from your seat... And you just come kneel at the steps, and you and the Lord. You can pray with us, and we can pray with you, or you can go directly to the Lord here yourself, in a sense. But when we see you kneeling, we won't hear your prayer, but we can pray with you. Amen. And for you. And we can pray that God hears that prayer. So again, we want to invite you to come. You don't have to stop here with me. You don't have to stop with Elder Roscoe or Jane. Pastor Travis, you can come right here on your knees 
and pray to your God. The Lord says you have not because you what? Come and ask him. Put him to the test. See if he won't heal your troubled heart. See if he won't take it if you lay it on the altar. You don't have to come through men. You come and you go directly to him. I want to challenge you about changing your life. And changing your life starts with meeting with him. Meeting with him. I can't change your life. Elder Roscoe can't change your life. Pastor Travis can't change your life. But if you go into that prayer closet with him and you cry, he understands every tear that will come. He understands the broken heart. You don't need me to intercede for you. You don't need Pastor Travis to intercede for you. You don't need Elder to intercede for you. But you do need God. You need God. Don't be ashamed to bow down before him. As Pastor Travis showed us on his video, people were bowing down to an idol that couldn't do anything. Couldn't answer, couldn't touch, couldn't move, had no feelings for them. And you serve a living God who loves you, who feels for you, and who can answer your faintest cry. Using. He's waiting on you. Give it up. Whether it be your sickness, whether it be something in your past, whether it be something present, you lay it on the altar. And when you get up from there, you even say, God, help me to leave it in your hands. Help me to leave it right there on these steps. Let me walk away from it. In Jesus' name. We're here to pray with you, but you don't need us. And we don't want to hold you back. You need God.